Hey, everybody. This is Jeff Ashkin in Los Angeles, California, with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. And this is the podcast with the outcasts, the half hour of brain power, coast to coast to coast. Come up with something different every time? Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I'm trying to jazz it up. fact of the day is space smells like seared steak. According to some former astronauts, space has a distinctive odor that hangs around during their post-spacewalk. They've described it as hot metal or searing steak. Hmm. Uh, this sounds like something happened. Like uh, one of the astronauts was cooking a steak in the, <laughs> in the rocket. It didn't go well. It like got on his shirt. And then and the he wasn't supposed walking. to be cooking like all the other astronauts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest like of the, all the other, they're eating like space ice cream. And he smuggled a, 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 like a sirloin onto the rocket. And, and so he got some grease on his shirt. And then later they're out, you know, moonwalking on the moon. And someone's like, their lives. yeah. And like, do you smell that, guys? Does that smell like steak? And, and then the guy who ate the steak was like, oh, yeah, that, that's space. That's how space smells like a steak. Nothing to see here. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that's why uh, space smells like steak. That's a very, that's a very real possibility. Derek? Yeah, I, I agree with Roy. I like that. <laughs> this is almost certainly how it went down. Oh, I guess it's possible that space smells like steak. I guess we won't know until we finally have been in space ourselves. But I bet, uh, I bet you wouldn't notice that smell after like a few minutes. Right, just like uh, like when your house has a smell, you don't notice it living there. But then, it's like a new person walks into your house, and they immediately like notice some some scent or odor. Um, like you, you, your nostrils get used to it uh, pretty quickly. Right, that's true. Well, that was fun. Anyway, <laughs> so onto our topics here. Uh, topic one. So, as you probably can tell from our uh, podcast, our three podcasts we've done, uh, Roy, Derek, and I like to reminisce about growing up uh, together in South Florida. What do you guys miss most about childhood that can't be replicated today? Besides tipping so much, Besides right? tipping, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess uh, the thing I miss the most is uh, uh, time. Like how much time I had, which I totally took for granted uh, during the time. I, I guess that I guess that's why they say youth is wasted on the young, right? Um, but uh, just the the inordinate amount of free time you have, e- even with school and, and homework and, and all that nonsense. Um, but yeah, like once you're older, you, you never have that much free time again. Um, so when I think except, of like all the now, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> less, less, less global pandemic, pandemic. Uh, yeah, the free time I reverts back to childhood levels. Well, that's a good point, Roy. And I was trying to think of something too. Um, and I don't know, I think, and Roy touched on this in another episode, but like that, that sense of innocence when you're, during that time when we have like at that time there's still the technology to 
you know, use the internet and to be connected with the world, but we weren't really connected with, with the world. Most of our lives revolved around us and the people around us. And most of the conversations we had were with just, were like organic conversations that we had with our core group of friends. And now with like the way things are with the world, and especially now because there's a pandemic, you can see how one part, one, something that happens in one part of the world will immediately affect the rest of the world. And it's like when we were growing up, we were like the last generation growing up where that wasn't the case. It was like we could still be within our own world and didn't have to worry about things that were happening all over the world. And now it's like you make one comment on Facebook or you send out one tweet and the entire world is able to see that. I actually was reading, uh, there was a study that came out recently that showed that rates of depression among uh, adolescents, like college-aged people, uh, have been skyrocketing. And it started around, I think they said like 2011 or 2012. That, that, that was when they saw rates of depression start, start to like increase uh, exponentially. And, um, and it coincides, in my mind, with the rise of social media and this insane pressure, like, like your life is under a microscope, not, no longer amongst the peers that you live near or in your community, but now on a worldwide scale, your entire life is on a microscope. And I think that's, that's just an insane amount of pressure for, for any human, especially like a young person who is still finding their way in the world uh, to have to put all that on their shoulders. Uh, I, I think yeah. it's too much for a lot of people. I think like one generation later, people are going to look back at this generation and say, I can't believe you guys use social media so wildly and without <laughs> like any uh, regulations and you just let people post whatever they wanted. And I, I think there, it's like when there's a new technology, like the manners, um, it takes a while for the manners to catch up with the technology, you know? Yeah. And by the way, not to uh, not to get all conspiratorial uh, in this podcast, right, <laughs> but here we go. Um, <laughs> the uh, the social media companies, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I guess that's that's the same company now. Um, they they know the effects, the psychological effects that their apps, that their social media has on people. Um, as far as like, you know, dopamine, dopamine releases, like the, it has actual chemical effects uh, in your brain uh, when you look at social media. The creators of these apps know these effects and exploit those effects to their advantage. They are tailoring the social media experience to release those hits of dopamine in your brain to get you addicted. They talk, and this is not like a secret, or it's, it's, even though I said conspiratorial, it's not a conspiracy. Like, like they talk about this in articles um, that, that they kind of um, leverage this information to, to get more um, subscribers or, or clicks or whatever. But I guess the thing I miss most about my childhood is uh, the Microsoft Gaming Zone, uh, which is no longer a website. Uh, but you used to be able to play a whole bunch of card games. Uh, on that site, like hearts, spades, 
euchre and uh euchre i had yeah i was gonna say there, there actually is funny you, you both mentioned pretty broad subjects very and uh, and very good ones too i might, might have to add time and 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 lack of uh of um you know privacy, privacy. but um i was gonna say i i specifically miss something that this, that can't be replicated and as well and i really enjoyed english classes especially in high school hmm. where we'd read, read a book with the class and the reason why i bring this up is because yes there are book clubs that you can join as an adult and you can read with people who are also interested in reading but what i liked about my english classes and reading a book with the class was that people who didn't want to read the book had to read the book and you know <laughs> sometimes they would try to get away with not reading it but then sometimes they would read it and then their opinions on it would be very funny to me and i just liked i liked people you know who may not have read frankenstein commenting about frankenstein i like seeing the effect that book would have on someone who may not have read it in their own time and i just thought that was very interesting and i just can't <laughs> you mean that you like uh, the, the like the mental contortions of somebody <laughs> trying to explain a book when they clearly haven't read a book and trying to pass it off. The deer in headlights look like you get. Yeah, because I enjoy that. I don't know if that's what you were getting. No, you know, that's, that's exactly what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. No, I, I enjoy that experience. You just can't get that anymore. You know what I mean? You, you know, if I go to a book club, there's not going to be someone in there who's gonna, who doesn't want to be there. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because that's usually um like what they say is like the benefit of classes as an adult is like everybody wants to be there <laughs> so there's no distraction. but you're saying it's the opposite it's more enjoyable when it's filled with people who don't want to be there and just kind of like viewing them from a distance but it is but let's face it it is good to see how a book connects with somebody and how it doesn't like know your audience like how come this book isn't you know, sometimes there'd be someone in class who didn't want to read it, and then they'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of like this after we read it. But then there'd be somebody who said, oh, no, I couldn't get into that book. And you can see why they didn't get into it, like what the, either the language was too heady and the words kind of turned them off, or there was something about the main character they didn't like, or they just didn't care. I remember um, Go ahead. Jeff and I had Latin class together, and I was – very interested in language. I, I wasn't very interested in, in English class at the time. It's funny because now I was probably one of those people who didn't connect with most of the books. But I mean, now I'm, I I do like to read a lot of books, but not at the time. But I did connect with um, my language classes. And when we took we took Latin for four years, right, Jeff? Yeah, Bene. You remember that first year, which <laughs> most of <laughs> the people didn't want to be in the class. Yeah. You know, and, and then it's like the realization on like the first week of Latin where it's like, this is not a language class that you can just coast through. And we had to learn all of the verb declensions and the noun, or the, the noun declensions and the verb conjugations. And it, um, I remember this one time when, you know how if it's uh, a masculine noun and it's in the accusative case, it ends in, it, instead of U-S, it, it ends in U-M, you know? Yeah. And I remember Mrs. Hart, <laughs> our That's Latin right. teacher, calling on one of those people who definitely didn't want to be there. And it was like, Ed, what if this noun is in the accusative case? And the guy was like, 
Um, he was like, she was like, correct. <laughs> and he had no idea, like, why he got the answer right. Um, and was like, correct. She just moved on to the next person. Oh, I love that. Oh, I miss those days. But uh, there's no real segue here, but I'm going to go to down topic too. So this one I thought was just kind of fun. Um, I think I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to just ask it anyway. Do you believe in ghosts? Have you had an encounter with a ghost? What would you ask the ghost if you could ask just one question? Well, I have never had an encounter with a ghost. I believe in the possibility but i don't think a hundred percent i don't want to say yes i believe in ghosts because there's a lot of questions that that poses that are difficult to answer but um i'm interested in those kind of urban legend type stories um yeah me too and i think it'd be hard to discount every single one of them. Even if 95% of them are explainable in some way, I think there's some percentage of them that are still kind of difficult to explain away. And I, I think that even if just one of them is true, then it could prove that there is some kind of spiritual existence beyond the physical world, which whether you call it a ghost or not, um, is up right. to the individual. But, um, I don't want to say it's not possible. I think it's possible. And I guess if I could ask a question, I think it would be, um, what is it like when you die? Um, but it, it's, it's difficult to think ghosts exist because then it's like, <laughs> are there people constantly watching you? You know, like when you think about those kind of things, it it kind of it kind of breaks down the the logic of ghostdom. Well, it's funny you say that because I've always thought it was very strange that everyone seems to have. I've talked to people about this this idea that you know why do ghosts have clothes? And everyone's like, oh, well, that's because you have what you died in. And I'm like, really? Because how do you know I ghosts have, have clothes? Yeah, why why would you have clothes? Clothes don't have spirit, right? Why would, why, if I die with my iPhone, do I still have my iPhone with me? You know what I mean? Does it have a spirit? Like what, what has a spirit and what doesn't have a spirit? Do you have your coat on, your shirt on, your underwear on? Like, and people said, oh, well, they don't know they're dead. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know what they looked like when they were alive either. So why would they just be naked? Or why would they be old? If you were a ghost, would your first order of business be to come back and just scare people? Yeah, exactly. You like, know, no. it's like, you would you would have some sort of purpose maybe or maybe you'd probably be just as confused as everyone else who saw you was <laughs> you know it's like in ghost movies it's like the ghosts are presented as if they have all the answers you know you know what i've noticed though you would never notice that anytime someone said they've seen a ghost it's always in a place that like is already kind of spooky like an old house or a cemetery. It's never like in a shoe store. You know what I mean? It's never like in a a, a mall kiosk. That's it, always like in a place that already was kind of shady. You know, <laughs> like the refrigerator section of Best Buy or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny if that's where all the ghosts hung out, just, <laughs> just looking for deals on 
whirlpool. Uh, moving on. Is there anything anybody wants to recommend? A book, a movie, or an album? Uh, today I uh, started listening to uh, Fiona Apple's new album, which just dropped. It was pretty uh, good. I like it. You know, she's very uh, uh, brooding, like dark and brooding, uh, especially oh. on, on this album. Which, What's it uh, called? What's the name of the album? Uh, let's, the name of the album is Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Ooh. I don't know what that's a reference to, but it sounds very dark and brooding, right? And uh, I like it. I was playing it as my girlfriend walked in, and her comment was, uh, this sounds like drunk Bjork. That's how she described it. So, so if you think you would enjoy uh, drunk Bjork, then, then this album is definitely for you. I'm, I'm going to listen to it. I, I like that. I'll, I'll check it out. Thanks for the recommendation. How about you, Dirk? Uh, well, I, I, I get a lot of new music. Um, I, I, like, I think that's cool that Roy um, is exploring new albums uh from even from past artists but um i've been getting i've been catching up on some deeper cuts of artists that i've liked for a long time and uh a good example of that is queen you know oh queen's awesome one of my favorite bands and i've had most of their albums since i was a kid um they were some of the first albums i bought but there's still some albums that i didn't have of them and I just got their album called Hot Space, which is their, they released it in 1982. And it's their first album where they really attempted 80s style music. Ooh. And the, the fans like had this huge backlash against it because every Queen fan started liking Queen because of the music they were making in the 70s, which is like, you know, rock. And then when they released that album, people were, not happy about it but now that music like the genre the, the boundaries between genres is a lot less defined and you have artists incorporating all sorts of uh elements of music in their sound if you go back and listen to some of these artists that were maybe criticized in the past and you just listen to the album for what it's worth I, I just think it's a really, really cool album. So Hot Space by Queen is pretty cool. <laughs> I was going to say, I, uh, I, I didn't really see much this week, but I did see some, I did see that uh, the, the nature documentary on Disney Plus. Oh, not nature, nature film, I should say. Uh, it was uh, Elephant, narrated by Meghan Markle, also known as Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex. But she basically narrates a group of uh, talk about these elephants and their migration pattern, and it's really interesting to see the uh, the uh, process that the elephants have to go through. Now I know it's a nature film, and I know that a lot of it was filmed over several, several. I mean, more than several months. But the way it's done is very is very interesting because they talk about how elephants look for water, how they work together, how they help out other animals, and how they care for the young. And as someone who is very interested in elephants and I, I do love, I think they're very fascinating creatures. It's really uh, worth checking out. I would really recommend it if someone has Disney Plus or knows someone who has Disney Plus. It's a really uh, moving experience. What are the qualifications for narrating a nature documentary? 
I think because what makes Meghan Markle qualified to do that is what I want to know. She has some name recognition. She'll know they know that she'll bring in some uh, some viewers. There is a another documentary about dolphins that was narrated by someone named hmm, I don't know Natalie Portman. I don't know Derek. You know who that is? I don't know. Um, and she uh, she narrated basically about this this dolphin reef, and uh, it, was, it was also good. I, I like dolphins as well, but. It wasn't as interesting to me as the elephant one. But I think this basically, they need someone, some name recognition to get people to watch. But Who, who's yeah. the better narrator? Well, I would say Meghan Markle. It's hard to say. They're both good. They're both good. Derek, you should watch. You should see what Natalie Portman does. So. Are, are there people who are tuning into the elephant document, documentary on the name recognition of Meghan Markle? Like, like they're just flipping through and like, not a big fan of elephants, but I do enjoy <laughs> Meghan Markle's work. So, so let's see how this goes. It might, it might just basically be like I do, I do like Suits. So <laughs> yeah. Probably like they watch every episode of Suits, and they're like, "What's next?" Yeah, uh, sounds like someone's a fan of Meghan Markle. I don't know. <laughs> I know two things that she was in: Suits and That's... Elephant, the documentary. <laughs> well, we had a lot of fun today. I want to thank. I want thanks for joining us. I want to thank my expert linguist, Derek, and the head of the Illuminati, Roy. Uh, <laughs> let us know if there's a topic you want I'm gonna to I'm going to go live amongst the elephants. I, I think I'm kind of done with humanity. Hey, man. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover by sending us a message at coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com. That's coast, the number two, coast, the number two, and then coast podcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, hate mail, love mail, black mail, spam, anything. Just send us something. I want to thank you all for listening. Talk to you next week. Do, do, do. I wonder if elephants have ghosts. I, you know, I thought about that, actually. Do animals have ghosts? How come I never saw, like, a ghost cheetah or something? You know? That's how I'm going to end the podcast. That's the last thing they're going to hear on the podcast is like us talking about that. <laughs>